Welcome to an encouraging word from Pastor Elliot Warren from Cross Culture Church in Houston, Texas. Well, we've been talking about, who we have been talking about? Naaman. Amen. Sounds like a guy who always says no and, you know, the first thing, uh, you know, he's a nay man. So I want us to read in 2 Kings chapter 5 here. We see in this story, which we, we were coming to an end here, and I, I want to bring up something else in his life today. In this story in 2 Kings 5, he, you know, we'd seen he had leprosy. He needed a miracle. And it's interesting how God used that to bring him to God. You see, God uses people's needs. They u- he uses the crazy situations they're going through in life. He uses difficulties often to end up bringing people to God. And it really is amazing how he'll do that. So the way I like to look at it is for those that will turn to the Lord, it ends up that he used something evil to actually use it for good to bring them to God. You remember the prodigal son. Uh, you remember he, he left God and he comes back at the end. The reason why he came back was because he came to his senses in the middle of his troubles, right? So anyway, Naaman's here. He's got leprosy. He wants a miracle for his body. Um, you see, but God's got more in mind than that. God's got more in mind. So he comes to Elisha eventually, the man of God. He asks him for a miracle from God because Elisha represents God. And then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and stood at the door of Elisha's house, verse 9 of chapter 5 of Second Kings. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, did him go out to see this important man. He was a general in the army of Syria. He sends a messenger and goes, go wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you. You'll be clean. Naaman became furious. How many of you get a word from God? You know, if, if you've ever had a prophetic ministry, you had a word from God or, you know, you don't like it. You know, God does something different than what you wanted, right? God oftentimes do something different than the way we want it to happen. And we think we know how it ought to happen. We think we know best. You know, God ought to do it this way. It ought to happen that way. And when it doesn't happen that way, you ever get discouraged because God didn't come through the way you thought he ought to come through? He didn't come through in your timetable. He didn't come through how you wanted to do it. And then, and then, and it looks like nothing happened. You see, and it looks like the time went past. You just have to go, you know what? I don't understand things because God is always bringing us past something we don't understand to trust in Him beyond our understanding. Amen? God says when you connect to Him, He gives you the peace that passes all understanding. If you've got to understand everything, you're not walking in faith, you see? God gives you peace beyond what you understand, and He doesn't always show you what He's going to do. He doesn't always show you how He's going to do it because He wants you to learn to walk by faith, And he wants to teach you to have the peace that passes understanding. If he gave you understanding of every situation in your life, you'd never have to know him. You'd never have to walk in in a certain degree of faith. Amen? Amen. So God's not always going to do things your way. He's not always going to do things how you like, how you want, and how, how you think it ought to happen, right? So here he is, and he gets furious about it. He gets upset. Now, we all have different tendencies to, to be different ways, right? Some people get angry at God. Other people will mope and go into a form of self-pity and talk to other people. Well, I don't know. God never blesses me. Bad things always happen. You know what? I think that's just bad, too. You might get upset and go, oh, look how angry they get. I'm not like that. Yes, but you mope and you worry and you complain all the time. Y'all, y'all see what I'm saying? That's bad, too, isn't it? 
That's doubt too. Isn't that against God too? You, you understand what I'm saying? I'm not saying you can't tell God what you're upset at because we all have to be real with God, but you just can't get an attitude with God and sit in that, right? That's not right. Anyway, this man got angry and he goes, man, I thought he was going to come out to me, call on the name of the Lord and wave his hand. Man, I just think that's such a funny picture. Naaman was already in the charismatic world, right? He'd been, he'd been to a, I was going to mention names and I shouldn't because people think I'm bashing someone and I'm not. But anyway, he goes and, you know, he's like, I thought I was going to go to the meeting and he's going to go and I was going to be healed. Maybe that could have happened. You know, I don't know. Maybe it could have happened. I, I believe it's possible that's happened before. Um, but, but it's not what happened to him. And it didn't happen the way he thought. So, and, then he, and then he goes, this man told me to wash in the Jordan River. Aren't these other rivers better? You see how he's getting upset? His mind is upset. His attitude's upset. Man, I can't believe God's done it this way. You know, actually that God didn't do it. Or that this Elisha's telling me this. It's, I just completely disagree with it. And his servants came and said, look, look, if they told you something, to do something courageous, you'd have done it. But he asked you to do something silly. You think it's silly anyway. And you're not willing to do it. It's just so simple. Why don't you just do it? So, he doesn't want to do it. But reason begins to work in his mind a little bit. And he gets to this place right here where he goes, okay, all right. He bows himself, so to speak, in his heart before God. And he's like, okay, all right, I'll do it. And that's what he does, right? Then he goes down, dips seven times in the Jordan according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was made clean. Amen? Look at that. He did what God said to do, and he was, it worked. It worked. I just love that because honestly, I'll tell you, we pray and pray so many times asking God for a miracle, and then God will say to us to do something. You know, um, you might need a breakthrough. You might need a financial breakthrough. And then God will lead you to give some money to somebody who's needy. And you go, oh, no, I can't do that. That's not right. And then the Lord's telling you, I want you to give. I want you to give. Maybe that's your breakthrough. Do y'all see what I'm saying? Sometimes when you're following God, you're asking for a breakthrough. And God will lead you to do something. If it's not, if you're not in agreement with it, you got to get over that. Amen. And God will give you faith. Watch. You do what God says. Boop. The miracle's going to happen. Amen. That is so powerful, you see. Walking with God, if we don't do it our way. We have to do it His way. You see, now, we understand we have to pray. We have to use faith. We've got to know the Word of God. But beyond all that, there's a unique aspect of following God that we all have to have. God did not tell anybody else in the whole Old Testament or New Testament, go wash in the Jordan seven times. You can't read that verse and go run over to the Jordan and wash seven times and you be healed. You see what I'm saying? Unless God's bringing that life in you, but God can use that to inspire your faith so that you'll understand whatever I'm going through, I've got to hear from God and, and listen to God too. Amen? We're all supposed to be able to hear God's voice somehow in our conscience. 
in the direction. And I'm telling you, we've all got to pay attention to what's on the inside of us because we can't just follow God just by the rules. There are rules in the Bible, and there's nothing wrong with rules. Amen? But you've got to go beyond the rules. You've got to have a relationship. You've got to walk. And there's some guidelines here. Amen? There are a lot of guidelines, and you better be paying attention to those. But beyond that, you've got to hear from God. And sometimes you have to step out going, I believe I heard God. I want to be obedient more than any other thing. I'd rather try this and make a mistake trying to be obedient than me being hard-headed. Amen? Are y'all with me? You ever been hard-headed with God? Right? A lot of times it doesn't end up right, does it? God ends up, you know, Something happens and you sort of go, oh man, I wish I'd listened to God before. Why was I so hard-headed? Any of you ever said, why was I so hard-headed? Why was I so stubborn? Right? One thing you can learn in God is you better quit being stubborn because that'll end up hurting you in life and you'll end up making some bad decisions. But God will use all that to break you of your stubbornness. Amen. And probably a whole bunch of us have had that happen to us. Okay, so... So here he got cleansed. Then what does he do? He returned to the man of God, he and all of his aides, and he came and stood for him and said, Indeed, now I know there's no God in all the earth except in Israel. Now, and then he goes, please accept the gift. Okay. Then look in verse 17. Um, Naaman goes, Okay, well, I'm getting ready to go back to my hometown now. Um, please, Will you give me two mule loads of earth? For your servant will no longer offer either burnt offering or sacrifice to other gods. No more. No more other gods. No more going in that direction anymore. I'm cutting that off. Okay? And then, and then he says this. Yet, there's something I'm concerned about. I've been wrestling with this. I don't know how to handle this. I have to go in with my master into this place where he goes to worship his God and, to, and I'm holding his hand, I have to bow down with him. He said, I, I, you know, I want to explain, I'm not worshiping that God. May your Lord forgive me and, and then um, please pardon your servant. And then Elijah says, go in peace, go in peace. I know you, I can see you want to do what's right. I can see you want to do what's right now. So anyway, today I actually want to highlight one aspect of something that happened with Naaman. Um, that, I, that is very, very important. And it's about Naaman's, not his physical healing, but his internal change, okay? And so I, I was like, what can we call today's message? He always asked me before the service, and I have to go, oh, what is today? And I said, you must be born again. You must be born again. You have to have a, you have to have a, a life transformative experience. You can't just have external blessings. You can't just, you know, the Bible, the Bible says the, the goats like to be where the sheep are, right? So we're, the, the goats are in church too. They feel good around sheep. Sheep are nice. Sheep don't, sheep aren't uh, stubborn. Sheep, sheep aren't um, ugly and have attitudes like the goats do, right? <laughs> the goat, the goats love to be in sheep and around sheep. Um, what I'm just saying is, it's got to be more than just the externals and where you are. You've got to have something happening on the inside, right? And um, you have to be born again. Now, the Bible says this. It says, you must be born again. This is in John 3. You must be born again. 
if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus said, the one who has not been born again will never see the kingdom of heaven. Man, that's a pretty, that's a really, really strong statement, right? So what does it mean to be born again? Well, at the root cause, John and Jesus is telling this to, to Nicodemus. People have already had life-changing experiences that brought them to God where they changed even before Pentecost happened, okay? You see what I mean? People were, Naaman had it happen to him. Rahab, Rahab had it happen to her, right? So anyway, what does it mean to be born again? It means to become a new person. You've had a real experience of repentance and of faith in God that transformed your life. It's not just factual in your mind. It transformed your life and you are a new person. Amen? You're a new person. Everything's become new. And it, in particular, gives you a new disposition toward God. You might have been okay toward God before. You might have been, oh, I like God before. Oh, yes, I honor God. Oh, yes, I worship God. But when you get born again, there's a disposition where it's real now. He's real and you want to please Him. And everything is about God. Amen? Everything becomes about God. It's not about religion anymore. So... We were looking at Naaman's faith. We saw the miracle he received. I just want to mention a few things here that I actually, I just already referred to it, but, um, you know, what did he have to do? He had to dip in that water seven times to get his breakthrough, right? Now, his mind was against it, remember? There are better waters than this. Then what a bad idea. That's the worst water to try to get healed in, right? His pride was against it. it I mean, I could just think if, if somebody from my, the country that we've been at battle with told me to go dip in dirty water seven times, I'm going to go, is that not the craziest thing you've ever heard? Is this going to be like musical chairs? Is there going to be some music going on when I do that? You're gonna be, is somebody going to be filming me and they could put it on Facebook next week? You know what? I, it's going to look pretty silly, right? The general of Syria out there dipping in the, yeah, uh-huh. Yeah, he's got to lower his pride. And he's going to, I got to go dip in the water, dip in the water seven times. And here's all my, he's got a bunch of people with him that he came with. And they're all with him. They're all looking up to this man. And he's going, oh my. He's telling me to dip in the dirty water seven times. I can't believe it. He's just trying to humiliate me. Right? So it's against his mind. And we saw it's, it's not his way. Naaman wanted to have it done some other way, you see. Um, it, uh, it needs to be done like this. But you see, in this moment, when Naaman humbled himself, he began to humble himself when the servant's talking to him. Why don't you try doing this? He starts wrestling. I don't want to do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. Okay. And he's having to walk and walk this thing through. I believe it's a path of humility the whole way. He's going, uh, I got to go. I don't even want to go into dirty water. I tell you what. Sometimes when I go to Galveston and I see the water sort of brown, I don't even want to get in there. Amen. <laughs> and the water, the water, you know, the water of the George is probably a little worse than that. And he's going, 
Well, I got to get in that water. Man, it's going to make my underwear all brown, you know, whatever. So he gets in that water. But you see, he had to walk out that, that whole thing. He had to say, okay, and then he had to walk out that path of humility. He had to walk out those steps of doing what he's supposed to do, right? And um, when he humbled himself and walked through that path, guess what? He not only got his healing, but he got a bit of bigger miracle. He broke the power of pride and stubbornness that was on his life. Amen? And he had an eye-opening, because of that, an eye-opening, life-changing experience. He didn't just get healed. He became a new man. When he came out of that water, the truth hit him. He humbled himself. He saw he'd been wrong toward God. He saw his attitude was wrong. He saw how he had been reviling against, you know, against God and what God wanted him to do. And, oh, I can't believe I did that toward God. I'm so sorry. And not only does he get his miracle, he has an encounter and an experience with God. He is, if you want to call it this, he's a new man. He's born again. He's different. Amen. He's not the same man he was before. And you realize this is an interesting thing. Faith began before. Faith made him seek out that miracle of healing, but he wasn't even saved. Some people can begin to come to God and God begins to do things in their life. That's not enough. You got to be transformed. I don't care that you went to some meeting and something happened to you and you felt something. You've got to be born again. You've got to be changed and transformed. Amen? Man, and that's exactly what happened on him with him. Now, I just want you to see this. The Word of God says that it's God's kindness or goodness or His love that leads us to repentance. Amen? God's love, kindness, goodness leads us to repentance. Why would His love lead, to, lead us to repentance? Because from God's viewpoint, that's the biggest problem we have. It's our pride and our doing our way and not submitting to God. We might think, oh, I'm going to do it my way. I don't want to let go. God's going, oh, man, that's... You ever watch a little child, like three or four years old? Um, you know, I'm thinking of a good example. Let's say he's, he's kicking on the floor in the grocery store and screaming at his mom. You ever see that? You ever go, oh. You ever go, you ever think, yes. Good for you. You don't, do you? You go, that boy needs a spanking bad. That, but the little boy, he doesn't see that as a bad attitude. He thinks he's in the right until he gets a spanking. And then his, he starts to clear up his thinking. But I'm just saying, God looks at us in our rebellion and us doing things our way like that little child. you going, oh man, what a mess that one's in. And he's away from God. What a bad attitude, right? So God's love leads us to repentance. And out of his love, God will address the strongholds in us that are keeping us back from him. Our pride, our stubbornness, our attitudes, God will address those things to get that to the heart of our lives.
There's a story in Matthew 19. We, uh, it, the Bible calls it the story of the rich young ruler. And so um, this, this man comes to Jesus. He says, what do I need to do to be saved? And Jesus goes, well, you do, do what the Bible says to do. Do the commandments. Um, don't cheat. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. You do, do the Ten Commandments. He goes, I've done all of these. You know, it's just amazing. We think we, how we are, right? We have our concept of ourselves. But that's not even the point of the story. He's, he knows something's wrong. He knows he's got the externals pretty good. He's probably one of the most moral people in town. You know, he's probably looked up to by everybody. But he knows something's missing. And Jesus says something out of his love, out of his kindness, out of his goodness. What's he trying to do? He's trying to lead this man to repentance. He speaks to him and he says, you want to be whole? You want to deal with that thing on the inside of you? Yeah. Okay. Go sell everything you got. Give it away. Just come follow me. And he was a wealthy man. And so what happens with this man? He turns around, walks away sad. And Jesus looks at his disciples and goes, it's difficult for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven. Oh man, is that not strong? You know how many times we'll cater to certain things in people's lives and they never get born again because we're not willing to do whatever's necessary to get people out of that? We change things, you know, oh, there's no requirements. God doesn't care, you know, keep living like you're living. No. The whole thing about coming back to God means your heart has to come back to God. You can't not come back to God and just say, God, I, you know what I'm, you see what I'm saying? The Bible says, be reconciled to God. You're not reconciled to God if your heart's not right with God. It's talking about getting your heart right. Amen. I shared a, the gospel with him bunch of high school students a few years back and um, I don't know how many there were wanting to give their lives to the Lord at least six or seven maybe ten or twelve I don't remember exactly how many there were but it was a good little group of them and before I prayed with them because they were going to give their lives to the Lord they wanted to commit their lives to the Lord I just felt in my heart I need to explain this again I just explained about what it mean, means to turn from your old life and, and you give your life over to the Lord and one of the high school boys goes, hey, I have a question. Does that mean I got, to have, I got to quit having sex with girls? I said, yes, unless you're married to her. And he goes, oh, no, I'm not praying that prayer. You see what I'm saying? And I didn't try to lower the standards for him to get him to pray the prayer. We put too much emphasis on praying that prayer. You know what I'm saying? Praying the prayer won't make you saved if your heart's not right. <laughs> you know, and then I had other people like, oh, you should have prayed with him. God to start working with him. Well, let God work with him now. When he's ready, he can turn his life over to the Lord. Amen. You see, um, and I, I fully believe being honest with people about what God says, that's what helps them get set free. You know, that's, that's what it takes. God wrestles with us in those areas of life. But we have to be honest. I see so many people, you know, they try to come to God, you know, and then, you know, we just, we just want to lead them in a prayer. And uh, you can tell God's still dealing with something. 
I met with, with someone this past week that's with us online often. And um, man, he's been sort of seeking God. And just like, man, I want to, I really want to get right with the God and want to be saved and all that. What do I need to do? And just in the course of the conversation, I'm going, God's dealing with something there. You know, and it just sort of popped up. And what needed to pop up, pop up, popped up. And by the end of the conversation, he'd gone from one state to another and got born again. His life was, you know, he just said, man, this is so great, right? Now, you got to walk that out now, right? <laughs> but I'm telling you, you see, that was, I thought, wow, what a, what a great illustration because a lot of times we don't need to just push somebody into something. People need to wrestle with God sometimes because sometimes God wants to highlight something and make something come to life so that you can see it and deal with it. Something that's wrong that he wants to deal with. Amen? Are y'all with me? Now that rich young ruler was a different story. So God highlighted something in his life. You want to get right? Deal with that right there. Deal with this issue in your life right here. Right? God tells him that. And boom, he's going, oh, this is crazy. This man was hungry for God. He wanted God. He knew he was missing something. He goes to God and he, he goes to Jesus and says, what am I missing? Jesus goes, it's because money is your idol. It's because everything's about materialism and stuff and you're trusting in stuff. You want to be free? Give it all away and follow me. And then what does the man do? I can't do that. Wow. Okay, listen. Everybody that starts out with a hunger for God doesn't end up getting saved or doesn't come to God. Why? Because they count the cost and they go, oh no, I'm not going to let go of that sin. I'm not going to change that attitude. I just, I can't do it. Jesus turns around. Hey, it's hard for a wealthy man to enter the kingdom of heaven. It's hard for them to let go of something that's grabbed hold of them so strongly and to trust in me. Amen. And I just want to say, God wants to deal with whatever is in our hearts that's in the way, right? Some people would rather be miserable. And you just think about this. Some people would rather be miserable. You know, if you read that story, which I encourage you to read it this week, this rich young ruler turns away from Christ and walks away miserable. And it says, Jesus loved him. Man, his heart goes after him. He didn't want him to be lost. His heart goes after him. You remember the, the, the love, the goodness, the kindness of God leads people to repentance. God, Jesus was leading him there. He saw that hunger in the man. But then the man turned and he went and it says, he went, he was sad. See, this is so crazy to me. How many people hold on to their stuff in life that God wants to deal with and they're miserable and sad and they won't let go of it? That's the craziest thing. This man could have entered into the kingdom that day. He could have trusted, you know, if Jesus were walking today and he said, do this and that, you know, maybe it would challenge us. But we have to follow the Lord. Amen? Amen? Anyway, um, there's a lot of verses about hearing His voice and doing what He says. 
And we have to be willing to listen to God and do what God tells us to do. You see, you know, you remember one time, you remember when Paul came to the Lord, this light comes, boom, shines, Paul falls off his horse. You know, who are you, Lord? Uh, and then and then God, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. And he says, how long are you going to kick against the goads? You know, the goads, it's like it's what you can prod animals with to go in a certain direction, right? And it can have a, a point or a stick where it actually produces pain, right? And if you kick against it, you don't want to go the way that prod is trying to get you to go. So what are you doing? You're, you're, you're kicking against it. And that means there's a lot of turmoil and pain going on in your life, right? And that's what happens with us a lot of times when God starts to push us in the right direction. He wants us to do the right things. Man, it's like kicking against those goads. And I think, how was Paul doing that? You know, I think you remember he's there when Stephen is getting um, killed. He's gathering the coats of everybody. Stephen is serving the Lord, and Paul is a part of getting him killed. Remember, Paul was called Saul before, before he got saved. He was actually persecuting Christians and killing them. And here he is, and here's Stephen. He doesn't care about this life anymore. He's not holding on to anything else. He is so into the things of God. His life is in eternity, and he's just rejoicing. It says the glory of God on him. And he's for, he's preaches an amazing message, and then the, the Jews throw stones at him, literally these sharp rock stones to kill him. And they killed him right there, and he's, God forgive him. God forgive him. Paul's watching that. He sees that. There's a testimony. God starts working in him. I don't know what every other thing that happened to Paul, but between that time and the time when he ended up getting saved, he was kicking at the goads. God was trying to get his attention, and he kept doing like that. No, I'm going to keep going this direction. No, I'm going to keep doing what I want to do. No, get, you know, oh, that's painful. No, <laughs> and God finally knocked him off his horse and says, how long are you going to keep doing that, Paul? And I would just say to every one of you here, you know if you've been resisting God and he's been starting to deal with you because you realize you want to go in one direction and you're having the kick at the goads to do it. And it's not fun anymore. And there's some misery in it. And God's dealing with something. You better pay attention and stop kicking at the goads and give in to God. It's going to be a whole lot better for you. Amen. How many of us go through things because God's wanting to get our attention? And that is the grace of God that, has, that does that. It's the kindness of God that allows things to happen to get us to turn around. Amen. So anyway, Jesus said this. He says this uh, in, in the Gospels. He says, unless you're converted, converted, unless you're converted, what does that mean? It means to be changed from one thing to another. Okay? You're not the same person. Unless you are converted, changed, you're not the same person. A transformation has happened, and you become like little children. You'll not by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What? How do you do that? And he goes, well, therefore, whoever humbles himself. I am telling you, that is like the major key of serving God 
If you don't humble yourself, you're not going to find them. You're going to have to lower your opinion, lower your pride, lower your, you know, what you think you're so smart in. You know what I'm saying? All that stuff is nothing but pride. And you, you compare all that to God. He's just looking at you. You're like that little child, that three-year-old kicking in the grocery store. Right? And God's like, you got to lower your pride. Whoever humbles himself as this little child, he, they're the greatest in the kingdom. So, being converted requires a humbling of self. Ouch. You know, you got to let go of that pride. You've got to let go of doing things your way. And you've got to admit your sin and your utter sinfulness unto God and your need for a Savior. Amen? Jesus shares a story in Luke 18. Um, this is about, this is a, a Pharisee and a tax gatherer praying in the temple. Okay? Two men go up to the temple to pray. One's a Pharisee. This is verse 10 of Luke 18. One's a Pharisee. Now I'll tell you who the Pharisees are. These are the ones that were dedicated to the preservation of the Scriptures. They were dedicated to discovering what's there and to living them out to the T. Now that's so interesting, isn't it? Now would you not think that would be the person you want to follow? You see what I mean? <laughs> the person you're going to look up to? Okay, so this Pharisee was there, and the other person was a tax collector. Now, this is a parable, so Jesus is just using this story as an illustration. So when he says tax collector, that triggers a certain thought of how tax collectors are. And in Jesus' day, all the tax collectors were wealthy. You know why? It was easy for them to cheat people. It was easy for them to get more money from the people than they actually owed. It was easy to receive a bribery from these people. You see, that's just the way the system was, right? They didn't have, you know, iPads to take and make sure everything was in order. And even today, I'm sure people want to cheat, they can find ways to do it. But it was easy to cheat and take advantage. And like, it was well known. You even get into that industry, everybody does it. So when Jesus uses this man as an example, he's leaning on the typical thought of what that man's going to be like. Because it's just a illustration Jesus is using. One is a Pharisee. The other has been a tax gatherer, right? Okay, so then you got this Pharisee, right? And Anyway, the Pharisee prays like this. God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. I like that it says he prays with himself. Instead of saying he prays to God, it says he prays with himself. I know people who are doing this, they don't recognize it. They can't see it. But God's not there. You, you understand? He's praying with himself. He's into the form of it. A lot of times people can get into the form of praying, the beauty of praying, the whatever. Some people want to make sure they pray poetically. It's got to sound beautiful. You, you know, God doesn't care about that. God likes poetry, I'm sure. I'm just saying that's not any more moral or, or ethical. Anyway, the Pharisee stood and prayed with himself. God, I thank you. I'm not like other men. 
extortioners, unjust, adulterers. I don't do that kind of stuff. And then he looks at that guy, the tax gatherer. Well, I'm not like him. I am so thankful I'm not like him. Now look at this picture. He doesn't want to be like that. He's so prideful and happy of who he is and how he is, right? I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I possess. And he could have stand, said other things too. I try to do everything that's in the Bible or in the scriptures. Now, was that wrong to do those things? No, but we should do them because we want to please God. Amen? Isn't that right? Not because we're trying to show others and show ourselves how good we are and what we've earned. Okay, so... Anyway, then the tax collector, standing afar off, wouldn't even raise his eyes to heaven, beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. What you see in the way Jesus describes this, he's depicting sincerity. He's depicting a deep heart encounter that this man is having. The man might not realize God's dealing with him. All he's thinking about is, I need help. I'm so wrong. His sins are ever before him. And, and yes, he's been doing wrong. He's been cheating people. He's, he's done a lot of wrong, but here he is. He's aware of all of that. And he brings it before God. And as he brings it before God, he's, this is in his mind. He's thinking all that I've done. God, I've cheated people. I've done this. God, I'm so wrong. I'm so wrong. You, you understand what I'm saying? He's having an encounter with God, right? And it says this, this man went to his house justified. You remember the man that didn't leave happy a while ago? He left with his mess. This man right here, he's had a time with prayer. He's gone deep. He's prayed. He leaves that place justified. And I'm telling you, when somebody um, comes to God and they pray and they're clean from their sin, how many of you remember when that happened? You remember when that happened? I remember when I went to college and this girl started preaching to me about Jesus. About two hours later, I gave everything to God. Uh, I asked God to forgive me of my sins. And I can remember, I could hardly contain myself. I was in the student union in college and I got out of the building and I ran all the way back home because I felt so clean. I was so happy, so joyful. Just from, just from doing that, you know, you know what I'm saying? And you see, there's something that happens when you give your life to the Lord. So that man's justified, um, but not the other. Because everybody who exalts himself is going to be humbled. And the one who humbles himself, there's that word again, humble. Wow. Now, I want you to understand this. So there's a, there's a nice little picture this is giving us. You can do all these little things. You can try to follow all the rules, which I'm not saying that's bad. It's all, I bet he's making a point. You can try to follow all the rules, be a moral person, follow the law. He's even here in the temple praying. You know, you could try to do all these Bible things, but until 
there's been a transformation on the inside of you until you're born again. It doesn't matter. Amen? Y'all see that? And then you see the tax gatherer there. What's he done? He's cheated. He's swindled. He's done evil, but he's had an encounter with God. God's like, he's justified. That was shocking to them. Uh, what? How can you justify that man? Look what he's done. I, he should never, you don't know how bad these tax gatherers are and you're going to justify a tax gatherer? That is wrong. Jesus is like, no. He had an encounter with God. Now he's even a new man. He's not even the same man he was before. Amen? He's a new creature. Praise God. Now, I want to just take this point just for a second and say, it's not an easy thing to repent. It's one of the most difficult things to do. You got to let go of your uh, sins. You got to let go of your pride. Sometimes you got to let go of things you know you're doing that are wrong, things that are in the way between you and God. You've been putting them in front of God. It's not easy to do that. Sometimes you got to face things that are shameful and you got to be able to look at them and confess and say, God, I did wrong. God, I've been not living right. God, please forgive me. But it's that wake-up call that does it. Amen? The Bible says, He who conceals his sins won't prosper, but the one who confesses, confesses and renounces, confesses and renounces, that man will prosper. Amen? There's another story. I mean, there's so many in the Bible. We're only highlighting a few. I had so many I thought we could talk about, but I'm not, there's too many of this, this same thing happening. Nicodemus is another Pharisee, but this man's got a heart for God too, right? He comes, he comes to Jesus at night. People make jokes and say, that was the first Nick at night. But Jesus comes to, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at nighttime, right? And he's like, you know why he comes at nighttime? Because all the Pharisees, the ones who knew the scriptures, the ones who knew all of that, they didn't, they didn't want to believe in Jesus. So, but he's going, man, there's something there. Man, he's doing these miracles. Man, God has to be with him. And he goes, Jesus, we don't understand. I don't understand what's going on with you. But God's got to be with you. Nobody can do that unless God's with him. Jesus sees this man is still blind. Right? This man needs a change. And he tells him exactly what he needs to hear. Nicodemus, you need to be born again. Nobody's ever going to see the kingdom if, if they're not born again. And Nicodemus goes, what do you mean born again? He goes, you got to change from the inside out. It's got to be changed on the inside. You got to be born naturally and you got to be born spiritually. There has to be a new birth. If there's not a birth, new birth, you can't ever make it into the kingdom of God. He's going, but do you know what I've done? Do you know how I've lived? I've dedicated my life to the scriptures. I've, I try to do everything right. Nicodemus, you got to be born again. You got to have a transformative experience with God. I've shared this testimony about my grandmother. But I just think it's so neat, I'm going to share it again. Um, my grandmother was born in 1890. Is that not amazing? My granddaddy was born in 1875. Um, but anyway, my grandmother was born in 1890. And um, growing up, she was a really good girl. You know, uh, she she go to church, um, didn't sin the best that she could, you know, and uh, tried to do right, pray, do whatever, sing to God, whatever. You know, the good, good little girls did back then. And uh, when she was still young, I think she was around 12 years old. Um, you know, one day her uncle was playing around and there was a big barrel. And it was, it was, you know, had a bunch of slime and stinky stuff. Just 
junk on the bot in the bottom of the barrel and it smelled so bad. And he was playing around with her and he, he picked her up by her feet and he started dipping her into that barrel. And she was screaming, screaming. She was terrified. She started screaming more and more and more and he kept on doing it, right? And he kept on. And she's down at the bottom. She's hysterical. And now, she, now he pulls her out. She's so angry. It's like she feels hate toward that man. And she starts running as hard as she can go. And she just runs straight into the cornfield. And she said, I was just running in that cornfield, just so angry. I've never felt that in my life before. I've never felt like that. And then somehow in that middle of the cornfield, like my attention went from my anger toward my uncle to me. I never had seen something like that in me before. And she said, I never realized I had such sin and darkness in my life. And when I saw that, I realized I am a sinner. I know I am really a sinner. And I saw how badly I needed Jesus. So she said, right there, running, I stopped. That is happening. And I began to cry out not because of what happened, but because of what I'm experiencing. God, help me. God, help me. Look at this darkness inside of my soul. God, free me from this. God, I'm a sinner. God, deliver me from this. And she says, and she tells me this, that's when I got born again. <laughs> Isn't that a great story? This is just amazing to me. They see this little girl screaming, yelling, saying who knows what to her uncle, running, you know, takes off into the, into the cornfield and she comes back out of that cornfield with the glory of God on her because she got born again out there. I just think that's such, a, that's such a great story. But you see, you can do all these good things. You see, I just want to say so many people, just, you ask them, are you going to heaven? Well, I'm a pretty good person. You got to be born again. Amen? What is, how do you get born again? You got to just say, God, yeah, you need to confess. I need your help. I messed up. I have sinned and I have sinned. I've been an affront to you, God. I've done my own thing. Some people don't even see the sin on the inside of them. You see, but you got to be willing to say that. You got to be able to say, God, I give it all over to you. I repent. You know what? It doesn't mean you're perfect. You might even go back and make the same mistake. But when you do it, you go, oh, no, God, I'm sorry. I did it again. I'm sorry. I don't want to do this anymore. You understand what I mean? The Bible says in 1 John, the person who's born again doesn't sin anymore. Some people misread that and they understand, oh, it's impossible for him to sin. Well, what it means is he can't do it except that God convict him. And you go, oh, I'm sorry, God. The Holy Ghost doesn't let him do it anymore. It's telling him, stop doing that. Wow, you see, you get born again, you live your life with the Lord, but guess what? He starts working in you, developing you, bringing you forward in God. Amen? And God's going to finish what He started in you. You know, I want to just explain things today because so many people hide under so many different excuses of how to serve God. And if you're hungry for the Lord, that's an amazing miracle. That's an amazing miracle. But you need to take it to the next step. Being hungry enough just alone doesn't do the job. You've got to take that walk of humility. You've got to submit yourself to the Lord. 
You got to do things His way. You got to bow at the cross and say, God, you're Lord of life, my life, not me anymore. I'm bowing down. I'm acknowledging you are my master. I'm laying down my life before you. Now, God, help me walk this thing out. I trust in the Lord Jesus because of what he did only. Can you forgive me of my sins? Did y'all know Jesus? God couldn't forgive you of your sins without Jesus. It wouldn't be just. That'd be like you going to a judge for doing something bad and saying, I'm sorry. And he goes, okay, fine. You didn't pay for it. God says it's just if you put your trust in Jesus only because that's the only payment that'll pay for your sins before God. Nothing you do is good enough. Nothing you do is good enough. You can't pray enough, go to church enough. You can't do enough good things to pay for your salvation. God just wants to know, are you under the blood of Jesus? Have you turned from serving yourself to serving God? Have you come back to God? And, and do you believe? Amen? Amen? All those who believe, they'll never be disappointed. Oh, you'll be so thankful. Trust me. You've not put your trust in the Lord. You're the one who has problems. You might think, oh, no, why is he making me do this? That's like the little boy going, why does my mom make me eat good food? I just want to eat whatever. Peter Pan or whatever. What kind of cereal? Is there a Peter Pan cereal? Captain Crunch, okay. Captain Crunch was, wasn't he in the, wasn't he in the Peter Pan movie? I'm just, I'm just joking. Um, so, you know, you, you have to be willing to make that turn toward God. You got to be willing and to humble yourself. And I just want to trust God that today, through what I shared, somehow God's bringing things to light. Maybe there's some of you, there's little things you've been holding on to. God's saying, come on, you got to let go of that. Some of you hadn't wanted to give your life back to the Lord. You don't want to let go of the fun life, or maybe you don't want to let go of, you know, like that guy, hey, I'm having sex with all the girls, or who knows what it might be. You know coming to God means letting go of some other stuff. And you don't want to do that. I just want to tell you this morning, God loves you so much. The reason why you're even waking up is because He loves you. And I'm asking you in the name of the Lord Jesus to be bold and take a step past whatever's been holding you back and to a place where you're going to serve God. What do you need to let go of? What attitude do you need to let go of? What idol has been between you and God? Let go of it. God will show you how to, how to walk it out. If you look at the story of Naaman, what happened after he got after he got born again, he says, you see this, I'm not going to read it there because we're almost out of time. He goes, now I know there's no other God. Now I know it. There's no other God but this God. He'd had an encounter with God. That's what happens when you're born again. It, you don't know it because somebody else said it. You don't know it just because you heard it in church. You've had an encounter with God. You remember one day Peter goes, uh, Jesus goes, who am I? Peter goes, you're the Christ, son of the living God. He goes, you're blessed. It, you know why? It's not just because you heard somebody else say that. It's because you got a revelation of that yourself from God. You had an experience with God. Isn't that great? And now I know there's no other God. Secondly, he goes, I'm going to take dirt with me. You know why he's saying that? Well, God was like seen as, in, the gods were seen like in geographical areas in that day. This is the God of this land. This is the God of that land. So when he's taking this dirt that's representing the God of Israel to him. I'm going to take this dirt with me. I can't be in Israel. I'm in Syria, but I'm going to take Israel with me, okay? You give me two, two truckloads of dirt. I'm going to bring it home with me because that's the God I'm going to worship. <laughs> Amen? I love that. So his transformation 
produced dedication. He didn't go, I've been changed, and he's not going to worship God? No, I'm worshiping this God, and I'm serious about it. There's going to be dirt there, and that in my mind, that's going to remind me I'm not serving the God that we serve in this land. I'm serving the God of Israel, and I'm going to pray there, and I'm going to connect with God, and I'm going to, I'm going to worship my God, who's, who's the God of Israel now. Amen? And then he goes, when my master goes into the temple, I've got to take him in there and bow down with him when he, when he worships him. I'm holding his hand, holding his hand up. Oh, I wish I didn't have to do that. But I, I just want to share that because it's on my conscience. It's bothering me. I want to say, and Elisha goes, okay, I understand. Be at peace. Now, I just think that's interesting. You see, he's already trying to figure out how to walk out this thing in his life. He's already thinking through, how am I going to walk this thing out? How am I going to live differently? He's already been trying to figure that out. You see, when you come to God, sometimes you're in sticky situations and you don't know what to do. All I have to say is, just do what you know to do. Do your best. Let your heart be right. God will lead you all along the way into the new things. Amen. God might have ended up leading this man into something else. He might have given him wisdom, but right at that moment, his heart was right. He's trying to figure out, how can I serve God in the environment that I'm in right now? He's working it out. Man, and that's a sign you're serving God. You're wanting to bring God and wanting to know how to follow God right where you are. Amen. Some people need to get out of where they are because it's just ungodly. Other people are in ungodly situations, but God's like, okay, I'll lead you. I'll lead you. Pray. Trust me. I'll lead you. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you today. You know, God, God's, God's here. God wants to do something great. And right now, God's doing so many things, bringing people to God. I, you know, it's just a tremendous thing. The Bible says today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. What does it mean to hear his voice? It's that little conscience. It's that little thing that pulls you in the right direction. The rich young ruler had it, but he hardened his heart. Mm -mm. Right? Nicodemus heard it, remember? If you read the end of the story, by the time the end of the story comes, Nicodemus opened up his heart to God. Naaman opened up his heart to God. He did what was right. He followed the Lord. He worshiped God even when it wasn't easy. He brought it into Syria. He let everybody know, hey, I got all this, I got all this dirt in my house. What's that for? Well, that's where I worship God. <laughs> it's just the area where I go, remember, I worship the God of Israel. Amen. God wants you to go forward. And some of you, you might be a believer. You need to learn how to, like Naaman did after he got saved, after he gave his life to God. You need to work this thing out. The Bible says, first of all, in um, I believe it's 2 Corinthians 6, it said, um, come out. Come out from among them, and I'll be your father. Pull out of where you've been if you want to, if you want to serve the Lord. But then he says, now we should uh, perfect holiness in the fear of the Lord, right? And it says we should purify ourselves of all spot and wrinkle, so to speak, in the fear of God. So what they're saying is, just like Naaman, he had to walk this thing out. And it's just saying, you know what? We walked this thing out. I got saved years ago, but I can tell you God's still dealing with issues in my life. Y'all see what I mean? Being saved didn't make me a perfect person, but my attitude got right with God. You see? And from that attitude, he's been continually perfecting me. And he'll do that with every single one I've been today. Amen?
Amen. Well, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for today. Thank you for the salvation of God that goes forth to save men. I thank you, Lord, that you help us, God, to live lives of freedom, freedom from the things of this world, and freedom unto God. Lord, I just pray right now, Lord, you know so many have been wrestling with so many things, and Lord, the love of God's always pulling us forward, pulling us into victory. And I just want to encourage you, um, you know, today, maybe you don't even know where you are. Maybe you're like, you're like that rich young ruler, and you go, I know something's not right. I know something's not right. But I, I, and, you know, I want to give my life to God that somehow something's not right yet. I just want to encourage you. Just tell God that. God, I know something's not right. That's what the rich young ruler said. Something's not right. I don't know what to do. Uh, and we're not trusting you're going to respond the way the rich young ruler did. But what he did was right. He went to Christ and he said, God, I want to serve you. I don't know how. And if that's you today, just be honest with God and be willing. God, just tell him this morning. God, I want to serve you. I just don't know how. I don't know what to do. I don't know the direction to take. I know I need a breakthrough. I know there's more than what I've got right now. God, I want to know. Just show me. There's others of you here. All you have to do is pray that. I mean, you got to be sincere. God knows your heart. There's others of you. Maybe you know you need to get saved. You want to give your life over to the Lord today, and you're ready. You're ready to go, God, I'm going to jump all in, and I want to give it all to you today. If that's you, all you have to do is pray this prayer and you can pray more when you get home. You know, you're probably already home. You just pray more after the service today. Just pray this after me. Just say, Father, I give my life to you today. I give everything to you today. Lord, I see, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm messed up. I don't even see the depths of my sin and my sinfulness. God, but I just know it's there. I know it's there and I can see a lot of it that's wrong. And I know a lot of the things I've done are wrong. God, I want you to forgive me. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me, Lord. Please have mercy on me and cleanse me of my sins. I'm coming to you today, bringing all this before you, God, asking you to cleanse me of my sins. Now, the word of God says that if you confess your sins to God, he's faithful and just to cleanse you of all sin. So if you did that from your heart, from the depths of who you are, God heard that and he cleanses you. Now I want to say one more prayer. This is for all of us, including those who are walking with God already. Lord, we're just here today. Lord, we rejoice in you. We thank you, God. Our life is a life of joy, walking with God every day, increasing in the things of the Lord every day, learning not to worry, learning not to fear, learning to be courageous, learning the things of the word of God. And Father, we don't get into the word just to have a greater, you know, so a check mark beside our name. Lord, we get in there because we want to find you in here. We, we want an encounter with Christ. We want to know you, God. And Lord, we want to know you more. And we thank you, God. You're ordering our steps. You're still dealing with stuff in our lives. You're still dealing with stuff in our hearts. Yes, God, we thank you. You dealt with that major attitude when we came to you. But Lord, we thank you. You're, you're continuing to work in our lives. And God, as we continue to humble ourselves, you keep getting bigger. We keep getting greater breakthroughs. And God, we just want to thank you for this in Jesus' name. Lord, we pray, visit us this week. Let your power be with us. Let your presence be with us. Let your glory be with us. God, we love to experience you. God, give us dreams. Give us visions. Communicate with us, God. Help us to live out this new life, this new walk that we have in Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for this now, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.